Let's go. Welcome back to the Pop in the adjacent podcast of Flop Stars, where we run through the big music stories and new music releases of the week. Coming up, the reaction to Doja Cat's big attention-grabbing new song, Attention. We'll talk Pink Panther's track from the Barbie soundtrack. Also, 80s-inspired stuff from Hemlock Springs and Dagny and Leanne from Little Mix goes solo. We'll update you on the vibe on the idol. Um, also, Taylor Swift's Lover. <laughs> Are we getting a deluxe? And also some new... There's so much to talk about, but first, Sam... So much. Flop. Stars. Um, we need to talk about BB Rexa having a phone thrown at her on stage because. Can you believe that? It, uh, when did we as a society decide to start throwing heavy projectiles onto a stage while a performer is doing their bits and pieces? At people you seemingly enjoy. Yeah. It doesn't under- It doesn't make any sense. I was actually meant to be at that show. Um, and I didn't go because I had too many wines by the pool. <laughs> Which, thank goodness, because there was bloody projectiles. I'm glad to hear that that is the threshold for you pulling out of, like, that is the BB Rexa threshold. Like, you wouldn't let too many wines by the pool get in the way of, like, going to the Taylor Swift show or the Beyonce show. But for BB, no. there is a threshold there. There is well, a margin I was of error. having the best effing night of my life, and I thought she would be okay with that. She would be. Also, did you notice that just a second ago, and I'm sure keen-eared listeners would have, you said, I was actually meant to be at that show. And that is, of course, a big hit by BB Rexa featuring Florida Georgia Line. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that I was the one who threw, who pegged the projectile and oh! I was trying to cover myself. This is controversial. I have several witnesses. <laughs> So, the preliminary investigation by New York City Police determined that a 27-year-old, of course, a bloody 27-year-old, as a 27-year-old, I can awful. say that, intentionally threw awful, a cell phone. Way. She was taken to a local hospital. She received stitches. Um, he was, yeah, he was arrested and charged with two counts of assault in the third degree, one count of harassment in the second degree, one count of aggravated harassment in the second degree, one count of attempted assault in the third degree. And he said, I was wow. trying to see if I could hit her with the phone at the end of the show because it would be funny. See, that's Well, job up. done. One of the yeah. jobs. The yeah. humour part is lost on most people. You big hero. Um so yeah, I, I've like I have thrown a phone on stage before, but it was at the invitation Why? of the uh, it was at the invitation of the artist, and I was literally in the front row. It was TK Meidzer at an MTV party with about a hundred people. This is about seven or eight years ago, and she said, "Throw Why your phone." Why did she tell up. you to throw the phone? Because she wanted to film like the the crowd because it was going on TV. Oh, it was being filmed. Well, how did you know you were going to get it back? Um, I didn't, but she did pick up my phone of all the... Uh, there was probably about 15 phones got thrown on stage. But people were very, very careful to sort of throw it, you know, sort of chuck Get it. Not project... Like, actually throw it at her, which this guy has literally admitted doing. Um, I, I just I, I just can't Such believe the sort of... expensive projectile as well. Like, if you're going to be a dickhead, at least be smart and throw something not that expensive. Absolutely. Like your friend's Samsung <laughs> Galaxy S5. Just take exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. What I. Fucked what, up. Well, I worry that it's going to. Not worry. It probably would be a good thing. But they, they banned like glass. Well, I don't know what the rule is in the US, but in Australia, you can't have glass like particularly close to the stage and you can't have a, a like full can of drink they have to open it for you so that if you do try to throw it up all the, the liquid goes out they, they basically banned you from yeah, having anything I'm not heavy sure it's going it to get to the here. it's going to get to the same thing with phones at some point and and I welcome this she's meant to be back on stage tonight i think 
Yeah. So we'll see if she makes it. Has she made any kind of announcement as to whether she's going to be? I'm not sure. She did post um, a little bit earlier about the New York show and was like, despite what happened at the end, it was actually a really, really great show and I really enjoyed it. Um, but at this stage... <laughs> Yeah. Oh no, the show the tour must go on. Philly next. Which show are you coming to? Hashtag best oh, night of my life tour. But See, this is people discovering what we already know, which is exactly. that she's one of the best pop stars out there. Flop stars. There's so much Taylor Swift news to talk about. So we're recording this a couple of hours after the 2 a.m. Australian time announcement of uh, Australia Asia dates with Sabrina Carpenter on support. Um, so there's a whole bunch of new eras dates added. Um, but we also come at, at a time where we're seeing which the 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 album that was the f- subject of our first episode of season seven of Flop Stars, yeah, um, Lover, which we kind of. Weirdly, I feel like we did this. I feel like we had a part in this. It is doing absolutely astonishingly well. You've done an incredible sort of dive in, into where things started to pick up on your TikTok. Um, do you want to maybe talk through like a little bit of, yeah, what is actually happening with Lover at the moment? Because it's quite an astonishing feat. Yeah, well, I think there's a few things that brought Lover down initially. There was just a general kind of um overexposure of taylor swift at the time so any foot she put wrong was going to be like maximized and the foot she put wrong there were two of them called me and you need to calm down (laughs) and it basically really soured the era i think but not only that then the pandemic came just as she was releasing the man as a single Mm. um obviously she didn't get to tour lover and now that she's touring all these albums i think that of the ones she hasn't toured lover is the most obvious stadium album like that's the one that sounds the best in stadiums over folklore evermore and midnights it's like the grandest one so it makes sense that now she's gotten this opportunity to do it people are like Oh my God, Cruel Summer sounds freaking amazing. And now we're at the point where Cruel Summer is the third most streamed song in the US today. Um, wow. It's officially been made a single. And now there's murmurings that we're going to get a deluxe version of Lover, like a, um, a what, what does she call it? Like out from the, from the, the vault, vault in version. the vault. From the vault. <laughs> <laughs> but in, usually. Out and around the vault. <laughs> Usually those are reserved for the Taylor's version's albums, but she owns Lover. Yeah. She doesn't need to re-record Lover, but she's going to do it anyway. She's yeah. not going to re-record it, but she's going to release the vault tracks. So there you go. And I think that the tour obviously is continuing well into 2024 now, heading to Australia and parts of Asia and Europe as well. Um, so it's just going to keep gaining momentum, I think, because none of the Midnight songs are really standing up. Um, as being arena worthy even Karma I think as a single is falling kind of flat so Cruel Summer it is that's wild, isn't it? I, I think as well, like, it, it actually does surprise me to see Taylor do what, you know, The weekend has done with re-releasing Die For You, you know, six years yeah. on. Um, you know, we've seen a few artists doing this and it's kind of been a phenomenon, but it, it didn't feel like Taylor was going to be one of those artists that does this, despite her putting out albums that have, that have come out before with the Taylor's version and putting a couple of From The Vault tracks out. I mean, Mr. Perfectly Fine had a little moment when, when that first yeah. came out, but there was sort of kind of a novelty to, the fact we were getting these new Taylor songs at that point there's now been a a fair few of them so this feels like quite a kind of surprise move quite a monumental move for her to actually properly release this as a single recognize it 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Rather than move but, forward and allow this to exist in the fan space. I do think that she is an artist who's proved recently that she does take fan requests on board and she does listen to what the fans are, are asking for. And we saw that with the all too well 10 minute version and like how well that did a song that was never a single being given the single treatment all these years later. Yeah. Um, so I, it's a good move on her behalf, I guess it always mentally for me is hard to get my head around this happening to all these songs years later. It feels like quite interesting but I do like watching the team scramble and like work on the spot to create (laughs) these kind of moments out of things that they didn't have time to plan for are you also in a slight like stage of bewilderment by the Taylor Swift beast at the moment because I feel like we're in like four eras simultaneously because we're obviously in in midnights from an album cycle perspective we're in lover from a single perspective and then we've got speak now Taylor's version coming out it's like where the fuck am I in the Taylor verse at the moment it's I'm nervous that we're getting to overexposure once again Um, and she's still got lots of re-records to get through. So (laughs) it's going to be interesting to watch how she plays it. What I really think should have happened is I think that Midnight should have never happened. Obviously, Midnight has been a massive success, but it's it's never about the album of that time being a success. It's about the next album. Like I firmly believe in pop music, you're always playing kind of an album ahead in terms of your your legacy and what happens next. So mm. if she had just continued doing the re-records while she was doing the er- Eras tour, I think that it just would have made a bit more sense. Now with Midnight, it's a complete new album that's like 20 tracks, by the way, and then like another three bonus tracks as well. Plus you're getting all the re-records. It's just like, it might be too much. I would like to be be proved wrong, but it might be too much. And Midnight's has obviously done amazingly straight off the bat because she had so much positive momentum from like the Red TV and from Evermore and Folklore. But I'm just starting to feel that good grace turning once again. The people who were not being unkind to Taylor during the pandemic are being unkind once again. It's a very interesting and difficult line to straddle. And despite having such a sort of powerhouse team around her making these kind of things happen, potentially there is too much happening at once and an overexposure. Which I love personally as as someone who's like incredibly hyperactive and needs a new song every 30 (laughs) seconds to keep me entertained. This pace is perfect for me, but like... A lot of people uh, don't work at my pace, you know. They're a little slow. But I also... (laughs) On another level, you've always been a Quaaludes, Wolf of Wall Street kind of operator. A real entrepreneur type. Absolutely. um, Doing a cold dip at like five in the morning type. Yeah. I mean, you're in a black turtleneck right now. So... It's unsurprising. I'm not in a black turtleneck at all. Oh, the listeners don't know that unless they look at the videos on the uh, Flopstars podcast Instagram. Um, well, you should. I also, I, w- I do want to pick up something that you said, though, because I actually, I, I, I don't think it would be as interesting a story having Lover do as well as it is at the moment, Cruel Summer doing as well as, as it is at the moment, if Midnight's didn't happen. So I don't necessarily really? agree that Midnight shouldn't have happened. Yeah, because I think that is part of what makes it interesting and what has made this become like almost this runaway rediscovered hit is the fact that 
fans are almost choosing, fans in the general public are almost choosing to ignore what's come out and back almost this like underdog runaway kind of track over the current records, if that so makes sense. So you're saying that, that like Midnight's is kind of a sacrificial lamb. Yes. For essentially. love of success. Yeah. And I, and I also think you're right about the one, one album in, in front scenario, because I think we will look back on Midnight's with fonder ears in a couple of years yeah. time. Um, yeah, it, you're right. Do you? It quite, yeah, I think so. I, I mean, from, from the strong- is not aging well for me. There's a few songs aging well. And that's, that's the, a, thing. It's the same with Lover. a couple, but- But that's what Lover did as no, well. No, Lover's, he- Lover's got heaps. Lover's is, Lover is far better than Midnight's Yeah, I, is. I agree. I agree. But I don't, yeah. think it, I don't think it's going to be a like sacrificial lamb and we'll never come back to it kind of record. I think it will always have an important place. Maybe. I'll talk to you in twenty. I'll talk to you in twenty. <laughs> talk to you in twenty twenty five about it. <laughs> um, we'll look out for a deluxe. Oh, I won't be doing this by twenty twenty five. I'll be on with. I'll be on with um like call Adam the flop. Call your daddy or call you'll, me your daddy. What's you'll that? Be, you'll be do- <laughs> call me a daddy. <laughs> What's that fucking podcast called? Call, it's called Call Me Daddy. <laughs> call me daddy. Yeah, I'll be on with that. Um, yeah, you, her, and Amelia from the Chicken Shop Date, and Adam the Flop. You'll all be doing a podcast together, the four of you, at some yeah. point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've just and cast that man this. who just sings, um, <laughs> that like middle-aged man who sings flat on TikTok. What, the guy that goes, <laughs> that one? No, the one who does all the covers where he's just like, he's just like. <laughs> That's the one I Have mean. Seen it? The bald guy, right? Yeah, yeah. You've given him I mean. a much, a lot more um, range than I felt here. Well, yeah, because he's got ra- he's got a beautiful voice. He just doesn't sing full syllables. <laughs> <laughs> I really like, like him. Like Ariana Grande. Yeah, he's one of. My- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. your heart is so high. Yeah, I keep forgetting I'm in the lobby of my <laughs> building. Um, Sam's I'm joined from the flop- 6:30 p.m. show. Sam's joined from the Flop Stars HQ boardroom today, uh, with a beautiful view of the New York skyline behind him. Which is why I sound like I'm yelling into a tin can, <laughs> um, and I ha- my voice has gone from singing "Born to Try" by Delta Goodrum at karaoke on the weekend. So. Um, <laughs> Oh, oh no, no, we don't have time. I was going to say, how was the Aussie barbecue that you went to on the weekend and saw Australian artists performing in New York? How was that? Uh, it was, it there. was very, in, it was very enjoyable, actually. Good stuff. Who was the highlight? There were free drinks. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pe- well, Budjara, I've actually never seen perform live, how and he has a phenomenal voice. Yeah. So I'll say Budjara. He he is like Peach li- PRC was good as well, though. Um, yeah. And then I didn't stick around for the rest. <laughs> didn't see spider bait because I had to. I didn't see spider bait. <laughs> had to take myself to karaoke and <laughs> give oh, everyone else a show. <laughs> In- freshly inspired. Um, take what I'd learn and share it with others. <laughs> Quickly before we get to Bob or Flop, um, are you? Have you watched The Idol? You up to date? No, I still haven't watched it, but I've seen and uh, read a lot about it. I, I, I feel that people are giving up. 
Yeah. I, I take back everything I said about... Um, not take back. It had promise in episode one, but everything I yeah. said about it being a realistic representation and like, uh, you know, uncomfortable but important thing to watch, I now completely yeah. take back because it's just gotten grotesque for the sake of being grotesque. Sam Levinson is doing yeah. the shit that you would expect him to do, unfortunately. The Weekend is truly one of the worst actors I have ever seen. <laughs> he is getting worse and worse by every line that comes out Why of his awful mouth. Why does he mouth. do it to himself? The trajectory from like blinding lights to now is crazy. What I am, fo- what I, I heard a really good podcast called uh, The Drop. It's the one with Osman Faruqi on it. It's really good. They kind of were talking about how before they elevated Sam Levinson to like fully running the show, The Weekend was meant to be a sort of more more of a bit part and not a particularly main yeah. character. It was meant to be much more of a female-led storyline, and it was meant to be more through Jocelyn's eyes. But as soon as yeah. Sam Levinson was up to fully running the show and they got rid of the, the female director they had on board, he immediately, Sam Levinson, made the decision to make it more through the male gaze and look a bit more from the male perspective, which is exactly what has made it so gross and weird and icky and yeah it's definitely very uncomfortable viewing and i'd no longer think that's a good thing flop stars all right time for bop or flop this is where we can't sit on the fence you have to choose whether the song is a bop or a flop and it's a bumper edition because we didn't do one last week because i was busy being nick from gosford for a week and just relaxing and being myself again, you know, getting back in touch with myself and also having a mini existential <laughs> and crisis. Did you? Uh, well, well I, the first two days I was panicked. Um, then I had a mini existential crisis. And then I believe I achieved yeah. some kind of nirvana on the seven hour drive home on Saturday. So do with that information what you okay. will. Um, I have felt mildly more motivated this week. So potentially a subconsciously good holiday. But it was nice to be in the sunshine for okay. a little bit. Um, okay, that works. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a couple of weeks of tunes to catch up on. Let's start with the kind of big attention-grabbing track from the last couple of weeks, which is Doja Cat and her return to her rap roots with attention. attention. Um, such a commanding performance, right? Yeah, very commanding. Somewhat um, surprising to me, given what she's been saying about... Um, like her last album's being corny and like how she just wants this one to be rap. When I heard the song ver- the song chorus, I was like, oh, this is not something I was expecting at mm. all. Um, and then obviously goes into that like, look at me, look at me, which is such a incredible first Instantly line. iconic. Um, yeah, it's not a hit, but it's a great start to a bit of a change of sound for an era. Well, it's a statement, isn't it? It's an absolute statement of intent of what she is here to do, what she has done, where this thing is going. Um, And and it it was just a really, really commanding song to listen to. But it did take a couple of listens to really get the message across. Yeah, Um, absolutely. But the the delivery is beautiful. I've seen the Kendrick comparisons, which I feel like is a very rare comparison that gets pulled up. But I think it's relatively warranted. Um, And the production is so good. Like, you you kind of knew very early on that that beat was going to work. It's just, oh. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like with Doja, like I think we've talked about this, but she really can do anything. And I really admire that she is kind of, I, I, I worry sometimes that, that rappers who go in the pop lane 
feel a bit too pressured to show that they can rap again, even when they have yeah. evidence of that already. And I worry that they purposely forego excellent pop music that might be in their brains to, to prove something to a group of people that potentially don't really matter. But this yeah. doesn't feel like that. This feels like an artist who is trying to almost prove to herself what she can do and, and where she can sit and the lanes that she can straddle. And I think it's very impressive. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I'm excited to see where this one heads for her um, and whether she goes even deeper into this sound with the next tracks or whether she is going to give us a bit more pop stuff. Yeah, it could go anywhere. And I like, I like that. It was like the, the yeah, shock of it all. That's Doja, baby. Let's talk about what is probably one of my favourite dance releases of the year. Instantly, the second I saw it being performed at Sunrise in Morocco, um, I was like, yep, this is good. Uh, Peggy Goo, her first release on the iconic XL recordings is called It Goes Like Na Na Na. Yes, such a... Not a, I don't want to say step up for her because I've enjoyed most of the tracks she's released. I think, it's, um, I think that's a but fair But it statement. is a certain, yeah, it is a certain like um, new level of production for her. Something a little bit more pop leaning, goes back to that kind of ATB like 90s, early 2000s sound in such a cool way. It matches her like personality, which is very like fun and upbeat and very like effortlessly cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was I was really surprised to hear it, and, and now it's gonna be it's gonna debut in a, like around the top twenty in the UK this week. Yeah, by the looks of it, um, so it's gonna be a hit as well, which is kind of crazy when you think about the spaces that she'd occupied prior to this. This is the thing; it it felt very left of center for me. Um, I have always known Peggy Goo as like the late night two a.m. kind of festival performer. That yeah. you know, if you if you're in the scene, you know, and if if you know, yeah. you know. And I think this maybe speaks to an element of that sort of post optimism phase that we're in, where you can do pop music at the same time as doing, you know, very credible house music and kind of bring the yeah. elements together. You know, she's proven her pedigree in house and is now able to cross over quite effortlessly to this. And you're right, that effortless delivery, that really relaxed kind of sound, but. I think the, the, the cadence of the verses is really smart that like I can't explain like the, the draw, drawing yeah. those elements out and giving it quite an iconic feel. And then obviously the sheer simplicity of that chorus and those ATB little stabs and yeah, the, the choice of synth sounds and stuff like I'm getting very nitty gritty with it because I think there are so many small one percent elements that go towards making this track feel like the perfect kind of 2023ification of that late 90s, early noughties sound. And I think it's a very special yeah. one. And the way that she launched it, like the fact that there was a couple of clips of her performing at festivals and and little little raves yeah. going viral to set it up and then kind of what she did on release day you know telling people to go to soho square in london and literally a thousand odd people rock up and she just <laughs> performed like dances to the song with them for 20 minutes or so um everything yeah, feels really like fun. it's very pop star at the moment and i really love that yeah it's, in it's intentionally pop star and it's the right time to do it because this music's breaking through more and more this is the year of dance music 
as we've proclaimed over and over again. So, <laughs> so we proclaimed it's cool to see it working out for her. Yeah, yes. 100%. <laughs> I'm happy for the year of dance music to go for three to five years. Absolutely. Yeah, I think this could go, this is this is potentially a very, very big song and I'm very interested to see where it goes. Uh, let's move on to Rosalia and the new song Tuya. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, I like it. Um, like, again, just a strong track from her. It's Motor Mummy was so kind of hard to predict and so inventive that the latest stuff that we've been getting from her is a little less like that and a little more, um, what's the word? A little more traditional to the yeah. genres that it's working within. But mm. she's so, like, good at it that it works. But it's kind of what she does in between albums. She did it in the lead up to Motor Mummy with songs like Connoitura as well. So, I mean, they're, they're just fun bops and this is another great one. It's nice and simple. It's catchy as fuck. It had like an almost a 2018 feel to it, the production at points. Does that make yeah. sense to you? Like, <laughs> Yeah, 100%. When we were sitting in that weird kind of like dance hall inspired pop um and hip-hop feel for like a year with yeah. like the, the DJ snakes and major lasers and shit. Yes, I was like, absolutely. Kind of sits in there. And yeah, it, it's very accessible. And, and I think for an my artist- My God, are we already nostalgic for that era? Oh <laughs> my God. It possibly, <laughs> I, 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 are you finding, cause I'm finding myself going to my like top 100 on Spotify of 2017, 18, sometimes lately. And just like picking out an old gem. Like I found sunlight by the yeah. magician, the magician in years and years, which came out in like 2016. I listened oh to that about God, 15 yes. times the other day. I was like, fuck this. Song yes. <laughs> I think uh, I'm still in EDM like nostalgia at this point. So I'm still probably like at 2010, but I'll make it there. <laughs> you get there. It won't be long. I think I think an artist like her is afforded a lot of space to be a little bit more simple every now and then for the inventive. And, and I think it makes her accessible um, to people who yeah. are maybe, maybe not quite drawn in by the, the more experimental and exciting kind of work. Uh, let's talk about the, 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 a new track from the Barbie uh, soundtrack, Angel from Pink Panther S, which I feel like has been very, very much more talked about than Dance the Night by Dua Lipa. Angel. Remind you of, of Sixpence Done the Richer Kiss Me a little bit? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess there's elements of that. It's a very strange song. It also like yeah. reminds me of the cause a little bit too. That's it. Like yeah. there's just certain um like little touches in there over this very bubbly, um, sort of gentle, plasticky beat. It's just so perfect for the um Barbie soundtrack. Like I think that dance the night picked up on like the glitz and glamour of what the barbie movie is going to be but this picks up on like the toyishness of it and if you get what i mean it's such an interesting angle and it's also such a sweet and um sincere song as well i really like it but then you hear those like slightly you can hear like this hardness trying to get in there every now and then yeah and i I love that i love how much they manage to restrain that element of it but still yeah. allow it to kind of seep in every now and then and not make it too airy-fairy. Um, it's a really impressive Yeah, it never gets song. too silly. It, it is very mm. restrained, you're right. And it's, it's quite masterful. I really like it. Speaking of masterful, we are doing a great job of powering through the bop or flop, so I will not lie. 
Um, <laughs> let's talk about another UK superstar, Leanne. Leanne Pinnock's first Leanne. solo single off of Little Mix. You may know her. Uh, it's called Don't Say Love. Don't say love if that's not what you're chasing. It feels about as London as humanly possible, right? Oh, so London. So UK <laughs> pop queen. Um, <laughs> just love a garage track by a, by a British pop star. Um, but this one just feels a little bit like even more, even like a step above than like what your Anne-Marie's and stuff are doing with this sound, you know, it just feels so like polished in a good way. Um, and I really like the synths that kind of lead it in and then Leanne's delivery is pretty commanding. I think it's a good solid debut without like reinventing the wheel too much. It kind of sets her up nicely and shows that she's got like real bot potential um, and that she's not here to fuck around, which is what, what we needed to know. Um, so I'm excited. Interesting um, songwriting team. John Bellion is one of the writers on this. It doesn't yeah. feel very John Bellion because you know you hear like Not with all the all. like with all the Jonas Brothers stuff, you could hear the John Bellion in that, and you felt that with yeah. pretty much everything he's been involved in. But this doesn't feel like him, and and it, it feels feels very her. It feels very honest to who it she seems to be. Um, which is but exciting. there is also the melody is so strong, like dual level, dual dual level, dual leaper level. Don't start now, strong. You know, like yeah, it's it's just so effortless in the verses, um, particularly. And I think mm. that maybe that's where he's come in and helped out because obviously he doesn't have such a background in this kind of sound, but there is something about the melody that's elevated to your other kind of run of the mill British dance song. Very good analysis. Pumped to see where this goes for her. It's a bop. They're all bops. They're all bops this week. Bop central. Um, Dagny is back with the second single from this forthcoming record. Of course, we had the incredible Heartbreak in the Making, um, which is still one of my favourite pop songs of the year. Um, Now we've got Same Again for Love. What do you reckon about this for a second single? I prefer this one way more. You know really? that I wasn't a yeah, massive true. fan of the first one. Yeah. Um, love it. Just back in the Dagny bag. This is what I'm here for, you know. Just a pulsating beat and a good strong chorus over the top. It's not going to change anyone's life. Well, it might change someone's life. but Yeah, it's always um, one person. Mine. It's always but, one person. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what you do it for. Just that one person. That's it. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's strong. It's a bop for me. It feels like a grown-up version of Backbeat, which was the kind of first big song to put her on the radar. I don't know enough about Dagny, I'll be honest. I think you'd be very impressed with the discography. It's always had a, like, Carly Rae Jepsen adjacent feel to it. Yeah, I know that, but I feel like I only really came on board with, like, the 2020 album, really. Should do a little. So I'll go back and listen. I think she's a particularly impressive individual. Um, Thank you very much. No, I appreciate that. I don't. I don't think this is better than Heartbreak in the Making, though. I'm going to listen to a song with the warm bats first. (laughs) I forgot about that. Oh god, that was heaven for like 2014, May. Even though it wasn't from 2014. (laughs) Uh, Moving on, let's talk about Hemlock Springs and this brand new track, Heaven. 
run of iconic tracks pretty much um, from the start. And now this, which just yeah. feels so strong, right? It's so strong. So cool that she's working with Burns, the producer who mm. um, worked a lot on Chromatica with Gaga and worked on a bunch of things, Sacrifice by BB Rexha. Um, but uh, Hemlock Springs is in LA right now. Obviously, when you're a hype name, you're getting in the room with so many other producers, but she's been entirely self-written and self-produced and very successfully so. Um, and she's been quite guarded about that, but Burns and her have struck a up a really like tight creative bond and they're just churning out these bops and heaven is just such an excellent pop song but it still manages to be like weird and wonky and very individual so i love i love it i really think it's one of the better songs of the year yeah um i uh, having listened because it's obviously been out for for a few days now um it, it's been definitely one that i've keep i've kept going back to i think as well yeah. it we talked about this with Conan Gray's Neverending Song a couple of weeks ago. This idea of the whole 80s pastiche that's been around for sort of two, three years has become quite, you know, important in pop music that sort of started with, with Blinding Lights. But this is another one of those tracks like the Conan Gray one that actually feels like it's from that era and feels yeah. genuinely yeah, really true to the, the sound. And I love that. Yeah. Um, you and I have both now uh, interviewed her and we know what the personality is like and that it's superstar. Yeah. Amazing. All over. Um, she does Lollapalooza at the start of August. Her London show in November is already sold out. It's all just ticking. It's all ticking along. It's happening. It's yeah. happening for Lockie. Lockie she Springs. Is on. Victoria Monet is back with a song called On My Mama. I put that on my mama, on my hood. I wasn't quite here for when I first heard it, but having listened to it a few times now, my opinion has changed. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm getting there as well, but it feels like an album track to me. The yeah. thing is, um, all these songs that have come from her this year, there's just something missing to hit as totally. an individual track, I think, which is a shame because a song like Ass Like That, I absolutely love so much. Yeah. And it just had this like honey-soaked sweetness in the chorus that just made it a pop song without being like overtly in your face. Whereas these yep. ones just kind of, you know, great voice, great melody. It's all there, but they're just missing that extra pop just to be like, just to really grab you by the throat, you know? Not that I want to be grabbed by the throat, but... No, maybe, I don't want you to be grabbed by the throat either. gently pulled by the shirt or something. <laughs> gently nudged. <laughs> um, yeah, that that is... It, I'm, it, I'm getting more, like, it's subtly quite wonderful, but you're exactly right. It's an album track. Um, the the yeah. line I'm so deep in my bag like a grandma with her peppermint though is very very strong. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> it's just silly. Um, it's, finally, it's very silly. She's the queen of silly lyrics though. Like she's yeah. behind um, Ariana Grande's "Thank You Next." You know, she's all over <laughs> that. Uh, Coyle Ray and Run It Up. Let's finish on this. Um, you know, a new thing from Koi, who we have talked about as being a, a kind of like a Doja Cat in a way of being able to kind of rap on pop songs, if that makes sense. You have. You're the Koi fan here, I think. I've been well, um, pretty negative about Koi. Okay. Yeah, I've been negative. Broadly. Okay. Not, not my favorite, but you've, yeah, you've probably been negative. 
All right, luckily enough, we were practically done, but Sam's mic conked out at this point in recording. So you got Nick solo here. I will let you know that Sam thought bop on this. And I will go the same. Uh, that wraps up the pop-in for this week. We will be back with another pop-in next week and brand new episodes of Flop Stars very, very soon for season eight. I know it's been long awaited. If you've got any thoughts on albums that we can do for this season, we've got plenty, don't worry. But if there's anything on your mind that you've been thinking, God, I'd love to just dive into this for an hour with a couple of people, uh, flick us a DM at Flopstars Podcast on Instagram. We're always really keen to hear what you think of albums that we can do for Flopstars as we head into season eight. Chuck the show a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you can. Share it with a friend and we will catch you for a pop in next week.